Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. I am almost as happy to see you as Maggie De Caesar is to see Grace on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it must be a nice feeling. Like the little kids come in, it's like, it's her, she's here. That's great, yeah. I am truly happy to see you on this flea market weekend. It is a, a, a blessing to be able to share it with you. You never know who's going to be here on a flea market weekend. You never know if you'll have a lot of folks from out of town. And of course, the people who live in this area very often don't want to come in the middle of Hillsville. Bless especially anyone who came from the west of here. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm waving at some of y'all who came through Hillsville to get here or had to go way around. Bless your heart. It is a true joy to have you here. So I get to talk a little bit about who we are today. Because we're mostly it's our, it's our home folks. It's our regular folks. I get to talk a little bit about identity today and what we stand for and, and what we believe. The name of our church is Recreate Church. I know it looks like recreate. That's why the, the C is big. So it, it recreate, I mean, we do have a recreation ministry, and hopefully that'll get back going. You know, COVID's really slowed that down, it seems, but the county's getting a little back with that. We're not recreate church, we're recreate church because we have this special calling to recreate what it means to be a church, the church experience. Not that we're trying to do something new so much as we're trying to recapture something very old. When you read the New Testament and you see these groups of believers, these Jesus followers, what you find isn't nearly as formal as most of us are used to in church services. I grew up in a very old school, formal type church where everything was very procedural and that's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we look in the New Testament, we don't see nearly as much formality as we do vibrance and life. We see Jesus' followers helping one another along, leading other people, going on the journey together. It's less about being seen and more about making progress towards Jesus. Our motto is we're a community of life and love. Our mission is we're a community of life and love leading people towards a growing relationship with Jesus. We want to help each other move towards Jesus. Be people who are helping one another along the journey. Now when Jesus began this thing called the church, the world already had plenty of religion. You studied the, the ancient Greek and Roman mythology and stuff in school. It was interesting. The Hebrews had their religion. Everyone had their religion. The world had plenty of religion. Jesus did not start this thing called the church because the world needed more religion. It's because the world needed something very, very different. Nearly everyone who became a follower of Jesus already had religion, but they were missing something major. They had a background that told them one thing about the spiritual experience when Jesus was going to point them towards something very, very beyond that. So in this area, almost everybody has some kind of history with religion, with church. Virtually anybody you talk to 
who lives in this area, who's from this area, you talk to them and they'll say, oh yeah, uh, I grew up in such and such church. Now that doesn't mean that they're active, and in many cases they're not. Uh, less so even a couple of years into to COVID era. Uh, even before then though, maybe one out of three people were actively involved in the church, but almost everybody had some kind of background. And if you have a background in church, you'll probably say the same as me, that there have been some really good experiences, and then some not so good. Some experiences that might make you feel a little skeptical. And there are a lot of people in our community who very much, if you heard their story, you would say, okay, I get it. I understand why you're hesitant about church, because they've encountered some churches and church people who left them wondering you guys know our motto you guys know it well so we're going to share it with the people on the podcast remember we record a podcast every week that goes everywhere we have some listeners what'd you say in africa now in in ghana or somewhere in africa so shout out to ghana what's that i thought somebody said in israel cool shout out to israel but our motto is no matter your story you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. A big reason why we have that as our motto, in part, is because so many people know what it's like to feel unwelcome, unwanted, and unloved in a church environment. I know that too. You think, well, preacher man, aren't you welcome any church you show up in? Well, let me tell you what. I know what it's like to walk into a church building, into a church service, and know there were some people who did not want me there more than once more than once and in more than one occasion I, I knew that some folks weren't happy to see me now there are lots of people who that is their normal experience they'll walk in and whether or not they people really don't want them there they feel like they're not wanted you get that they feel like they're not welcome not wanted not loved so that's why we are who we are, y'all. We're a church that is intentionally thinking about those folks. The folks who, if you heard their story, you'd get it. You understand why they're hesitant. We want to be a church that's not just thinking about the insiders, the people who already believe, but the, the people who are out there and who probably won't show up in a typical church setting. We're called to be that church that's thinking about the people who don't do church. So I want to tell you the story of a man who had an experience with religion that left him feeling unwelcome, unwanted, and unloved. As a matter of fact, he was banned from attending religious services. Have you ever known anyone who had that experience that, were, that was banned? I remember... I'm hearing somebody get in church. That used to be like used as a verb. Back in the old days in the mountain communities, somebody will get churched. And that wasn't what you think it meant. It meant you get de-churched. You get put out, you know. This guy, he wasn't exactly put out, but he was not allowed in. As a matter of fact, for a long time, when people saw him coming, they ran the other way. And then he met a guy who didn't run the other way. Who made him feel welcome, wanted, and loved. So let's read just a little bit of that. Mark 140. 
We really are going to finish up chapter 1 of Mark today. I was just kidding last week when I said we were going to finish it last week. So this week we really will. Mark 1.40, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Heavenly Father, will you please speak to us in this moment? Move our hearts to become more and more of the church you've called us to be that's ready to love people and ready to walk towards the messes instead of running away. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we read this, and you might wonder why it's a big deal. Didn't we just hear last week that Jesus had begun this phase of ministry where he's going all around Galilee and he's healing lots of people? So is it really that unusual that someone who needed healing would run up to Jesus? Well, yes, it was in this situation because this man had leprosy. Leprosy is a word that pops up in the Bible quite a few times. Most of the time, it refers to some kind of infectious skin disease. But I want you to understand that leprosy in the Bible is not one thing. It's a term that applied to all kinds of skin disorders, some of them being very serious, some of them not very serious. You know what eczema is? It's just like a rash. It's not dangerous or anything. Well, they might have looked at that and said, oh, that's leprosy. When it's not really anything that dangerous. But then again, something very serious, like a really bad staph infection, like MRSA, you've heard of that. Nasty, bad stuff can kill you. That probably would have been referred to as leprosy. And then there's true leprosy. If you look it up on Wikipedia, you'll find out it's called Hansen's disease. That's true leprosy. That is something pretty serious. And this is the weird part to me. There's a few times in the Bible where the word leprosy is used to refer to a really nasty mold that can get in your house or in fabric. And they've referred to it as a leprosy. So understand that when the Bible says leprosy, you need to stop and figure out what it means because it it can mean a variety of things. In this particular case, the leprosy this man had is probably something more like the true leprosy. Something pretty, pretty rough, pretty nasty. Leprosy was one of the most feared diseases in the ancient world. It started out small, but it would slowly infect your, infect your skin and start to make your skin rot away. That's bad, but it gets worse. It would cause your pain receptors to go numb. That doesn't sound like a problem at first. So, hey, it would be nice not to feel pain if i've hurt myself but and sometimes it would i'm thinking of some of our folks with you know lucy's filling her back today we're praying for lucy's back today that would be nice but in general pain keeps us from hurting ourselves much worse if you smash your finger or cut your finger the pain of that will make you move your finger out of the way so it doesn't get damaged more The problem with leprosy was they couldn't feel the pain of it, so they didn't pull back from whatever was causing the injury. So lots of people with leprosy would be missing fingers and toes and even like the end of their nose, not just from the the leprosy like rotting it off necessarily, although that played some small factor, but because they couldn't feel the pain of it. They could not, they didn't know that it was causing damage. 
Keep that in mind. Sounds like, poor guy, I mean, goodness. People rotting away and missing body parts. It sounds like something straight out of a horror movie. It's something that no one would want. A person with leprosy was considered a walking corpse. And you might say, well, yes, shouldn't we have compassion on people like that? And you're right. But there's a problem. In the ancient world, leprosy was believed to be very highly contagious. That one touch from a person with leprosy and you would have it too and you would suffer the same fate. So there was this tremendous stigma attached to leprosy far more than something like COVID today. You know, you hear someone's got COVID, you're like, okay, stay back. And I'm making like this, my, a cross with my fingers for the people listening on the podcast. Like, nope, okay, get back. Um, you know, you hear that and you're, you, you know, there's some stigma there, I guess. But leprosy was a million times worse. In truth, most leprosy isn't really that contagious. We know today that 95% of the people on the planet are immune to leprosy. At least the true leprosy. The Hansen's disease. People just didn't know that at the time. What they knew is, oh my goodness, I don't want that touching me. If I could possibly get that, if that could infect my life, I don't want that at all. So people with leprosy were forced to leave their families, to leave their towns, to live a way to keep their distance from other people. We, have, we live in a world where we've had to deal with this idea of social distancing and how tough that is. Imagine living your whole life that way. Not just six feet apart, but maybe 60 feet apart. And for these people with leprosy, if anyone came near them, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, and they had to stay away. It's very isolating. The physical part of it would have been bad enough, but the emotional part of it would have been worse. I think we've seen that. The isolation that we can experience on this life and earth can really, really be as damaging as something that's more physical. So this man could not take part in community life. He could not come to church services. He he couldn't even get near another person unless maybe it's another person with leprosy and he appears to be alone right here so when this man came running to jesus he broke all kinds of rules you just didn't do that you just didn't come near people he was he was never supposed to be that close to anyone especially a religious teacher hard to blame him though how desperate would you be i would be very desperate so he says to jesus if you are willing you can make me clean Did he doubt Jesus' ability? Seems like his faith was pretty big. He did not doubt Jesus' ability to heal him. But he wasn't sure if Jesus wanted to heal him. You see, he was not usually welcomed by religious teachers or in a religious environment. He couldn't go to synagogue. He couldn't go to the temple. Um, He could not take part in the spiritual community. He could not take part in the sacrifices except the sacrifice you're supposed to offer when you got cured from leprosy, which he'll do by the time the story's over. But he was considered unclean and he was very much unwelcome when it came to community spiritual life. So let's... The religious establishment didn't welcome this man. 
would Jesus be different? So let's stop. Let's stop and think about it. Let's talk about this. Is this man the only person who has felt like he wouldn't be really welcome in a religious environment? Mm, No. Lots of folks have had negative experiences when it comes to, well, church and church people. Man, doesn't that hurt? It hurts my heart as a pastor when I hear that someone had a negative experience with a church. Doesn't it break your heart too? You invite somebody and they say, you say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And they're like, ah, I don't really do church. And if you hear their story, you'd get it. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. But it breaks your heart because you know it's supposed to be different, right? It's supposed to be different. It's not supposed to be that way. We should always find compassion, but sometimes we find experiences that that make us want to stay away. If you've ever known what it's like to feel unwelcome, unwanted, or unloved in a church setting or by church people, I want you to know and I want you to spread the news. That doesn't mean Jesus feels that way about you. Sometimes church people... Don't always act like Jesus, people. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Guilty myself, guilty. I don't want to be that way. Jesus is very different from the religious establishment, and we're trying to do things his way. So let's see what Jesus did. Verse 41. What did Jesus do? Then Jesus moved with compassion, didn't push him away. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. Moved with compassion. That phrase can also mean that he got mad. Jesus was angry. Not at the man, but at his situation. He was angry how this man was sick and isolated and outcast. He was facing something that threatened to destroy him and there was nobody who was willing to face it with him. Religious tradition kept people away from this man. He was in desperate need of help, but no one could get close enough to him to help him. Do you know how messy it is when you try to help people? Have you heard the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? Some of you know that firsthand, and you try to do the right thing, and it gets really messy. So people hesitant are hesitant to get close. When somebody's life is messy, trying to help that person can be messy. So much so that a lot of folks say, I think that's more than I can handle. And truth is, we, we can't necessarily help everybody. But if we get in a habit of walking away from the messes, and that's what we always do, remember, someday it's going to be our mess. And we're going to want some people to walk toward the mess and help us with our mess that's what jesus did he walked toward the mess and helped people with their mess and if we want to be like jesus when we see a mess we can't walk away from the mess if you were to go over to food line and you go in the pickle aisle and someone drops a massive jar of pickles i don't know how you are but there is some little part of me that would have this instinct to be like "Mm, i'm going down to the bread aisle right now (laughs) but then there's the other part of me that maybe the part that Jesus has got a hold of a little better, that says, I think I should probably help pick up the pickles. I like the smell of pickles anyway. If I walk out of the store smelling like pickles, it's not a problem. Not a problem, but 
If we need to be people who walk towards the messes. This is what Jesus did. Jesus did the unthinkable in this situation. He reached out and touched the guy. No one had touched this guy. It may have been years since he felt human touch. Even the most... The person who doesn't like to be touched a lot. And there's the world has all kinds of people. The world has people who, who are very touchy-feely and people who are not. But the fact of the matter is, human touch is something that is it's needed. And that's one of the things that's bummed me out about this COVID era. People don't shake hands as much, and I get it. It does spread germs and all that. But handshakes and hugs go a long way. Sometimes people show up at a church service and that's the only time during the week that they have received some sort of positive physical contact from someone who doesn't want anything from them. So it's kind of a big deal. So maybe we can at least do like a holy fist bump or something. Me and, me and Gary had the fist bump this morning. We had to have that. I got to see my brother Gary always. I'm so happy to see him. Pray for Carolyn, his mom who's, who's sick. Big prayers for her. Many of us grew up. Well, let me just back up a second. Why is it so strange that Jesus touched this man because no one else would touch him because the the thought was that it would contaminate the person who got too close and that happens spiritually as well one of the reasons people can in a in a church environment can distance themselves from someone who's really in the middle of a mess because it almost The perception is that if you're over there, okay, this person's life is a mess. And if you're over there with this person, you must be a mess too. Many of us grew up in a religious context where it seemed like some sins and some mistakes meant you got treated as a second class believer that made you kind of untouchable because people didn't want to get near you because you really have messed up. It wasn't a safe place to be honest about your struggles. As a result, people got really good at putting on that mask. You know what I'm talking about in the church, mask. I would love to tell you that it never happens in preachers' families, but it does. I've told you all many times there's a reason, you know, me and my wife, we drive separate vehicles to church services most of the time because i want to get here insanely early and leave insanely late and she's a normal person who has good sense but when we used to drive to church services together do you think those car rides were peaceful of course you can't (laughs) i've seen some jokes my mama never did this but the joke about your mama just smacking you in the parking lot and then coming in said you gotta stop crying right now you just you gotta straighten up right now My kids have grown up in church services all the time, and I've tried to be very aware of that, of like, let's let's not do something very different than come in and act like everything's all right. But it, it does happen. There is a pressure for you to walk into a church environment looking like everything's okay, looking like no problems have been had, looking like you ain't struggling, and you haven't been fighting, and your kids are perfect, and you didn't just yell at them because they could not find their shoes. I went ahead and told one of my kids this morning, go ahead and, go ahead and find the thing that you're going to remember when we get in the car and you've got to go back for it. Go ahead and find that now. I told him that. I'm not going to name that kid. 
The fact that they're giving themselves a face palm right now may have been a giveaway, though. <laughs> go ahead and find that thing. So we, so we don't have to go to stop for that. But it can get much more serious than that. The problem with creating a spiritual environment where you always have to act like everything is fine is you get so good at pretending that you don't get help for the stuff that you're going through. People get really good at putting on a smiling face and convincing everyone that everything is just fine. Meanwhile, hiding stuff never makes it go away, ever. Nasty stuff grows in the dark. Leprosy grows in the dark. You see, in the Bible, leprosy is often a symbol of sin. We live in a world where sin is kind of a dirty word. People don't want to call anything sin. People want to call their sinful behavior anything but sin. And probably some things are coming to mind right now. So, yep, there's that thing. And people don't want to call that sin. Well, if you're thinking about sin that is in someone else's life right now, I'm going to challenge you to just hit the brakes and put it in reverse. Because the sin that is in someone else's life, God's going to have to deal with them on that. And He's dealing with you on the stuff in your life. You need to think of what's going on in your life. The stuff that you're tripping over. Because you can't do anything necessarily about the sin in someone else's life, but you and yours. You see, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who? All. Everyone. Does that count you and me? So if all are dealing with sin, then we all have sin that we're dealing with. We have stuff in our lives as well, and we might not even recognize it for what it is or for the destruction that it is. Remember that problem with leprosy? The biggest problem was that it deadened the nerves, so you couldn't feel the pain of it anymore, something that could be destroying you. Literally, you could not feel the pain of it. That's how it is with sin, too. When sin hangs around for long enough in your life, you start to lose the sense of the damage that it is causing. The longer it is there, the more it destroys you and you can't feel it until you look and say, oh my goodness, what, what happened? What happened here? But it didn't get that way overnight. We've all got skeletons in the closet. We've all got stuff in the past. We've all got stuff in the present that we're dealing with that could easily get the best of us it's so easy to look at someone else's life and see their struggle to see the little smudge on the end of somebody else's nose and not recognize that the leprosy of sin is all the way up our backs good news good news here jesus understood this man's condition he was willing to touch the guy with leprosy and Jesus is willing to reach out and touch our lives even though there's sin in our lives. Jesus didn't have any sin, but He's willing to come near and touch us when we're in the midst of our sin and bring us hope. Verse 42, as soon as He had spoken and touched the man, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The religious system had kept this man at a distance. They were afraid of 
him getting too close, that his uncleanness would rub off. But they couldn't understand. That's the thing. They couldn't understand that they already had their own uncleanness. They were so worried about the uncleanness of this man. We need to understand that as followers of Jesus, we're all struggling with stuff. And we may not see it. We may not understand it, but it's there. And we don't need to worry so much about other people getting their uncleanness on us. We need to recognize our own uncleanness. Jesus was able to cleanse this man of physical leprosy, and he's able to cleanse us of our spiritual leprosy. That is sin. Yes, this man was a mess, but did Jesus turn him away? Did Jesus treat him as a second-class citizen? No, Jesus loved him. He didn't treat him as untouchable. Jesus was willing to get his hands dirty. But imagine, on the other hand, that if this man came to Jesus, said, Lord, you can make me clean if you're willing, and what if Jesus were to say, ah, well, you see, this leprosy isn't really the problem. It's that people don't accept your leprosy. That the problem isn't your leprosy. The problem is that other people have rejected you because of it. And if only people would learn to be okay with your leprosy, then you'll be just fine. If they would stop treating you as an outcast because of it, then you'd be just fine. Imagine Jesus saying that to this man. No, this... Yeah, it would be nice if they stopped treating him like an outcast. That'd be really good. But he had to have healing for the sin. For the leprosy, I mean. He had to have healing from that. In this world, there is a temptation out of compassion for someone to say, hey, hey, it's okay. You don't need to fix this in your life. What you need is for other people to just treat you better. But that's not it. We need healing from what's going on. We need healing. We don't need to treat someone as untouchable. But we do need to be real about the damage that sin causes. Is it compassionate to treat someone as an outcast? No. Is it compassionate to pretend like there isn't really a problem that's destroying someone? That this thing that's going on in their life isn't destroying them? Is that compassionate? No. It certainly isn't. It's ultimately up to the person of whether they want a different life. You cannot bully anybody into repentance. Have you ever tried to argue anyone into the kingdom of God? How'd that work? Not good at all. The thing is, if you argue with someone, they'll argue back. Even if they know they're wrong, they'll never admit it. Not normally. You can't argue anyone to the per, into, into the kingdom. You can't force people to choose a different path. But if somebody wants to make a positive change, we should be there for them. That's what Jesus would do. We, gotta, we can't forget, we need the same thing. Every person carries that leprosy, not literal, but spiritual, in us. There is this sin nature in us, and it can very quickly come out of remission. And you'll remember that when you try to get out of this parking lot later. And you will remember that you are a fallen human being as you go back through the flea market or wherever you've got to go today. You'll remember how very badly you need Jesus. And, and, and when you get there, the person is going to say, that preacher said we was going to have a hard time getting out of this parking lot, so just calm down, honey. 
It's going to be all right. Jesus healed this man of leprosy. He changed this guy's life forever. And he took him while he was an outcast and he did a miracle. That's this Jesus we serve. We want to be people like that. To love people right where they're at, right in the middle of the mess, but also show them that transformation is possible, redemption is possible. The thing is, we don't really get to talk much about the redemption if we can't get close enough to someone to talk to them. We want to show them what they can find in Jesus. How do you suppose this man felt when he realized that he had been healed? Oh, man. He he must have felt wonderful. Jesus told him to go and show himself to the priest and make the necessary sacrifices. Why show himself to the priest? Well, that's how it worked in those days. They didn't really have medical professionals that you could go to and get a clean bill of health. You went to the priest and they would examine you and give you this clean bill of health. So how interesting it is that this man who'd been kept away by the, relig- by the religious establishment, now Jesus wouldn't use the same religious establishment to declare this man free. I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody and I've encouraged them to take part in a local congregation like ours. And they told me they just didn't feel comfortable with that have you had that experience you try to invite someone like ah, mm-hmm, church yeah i did church i tried church and it just i don't know it just didn't work out sometimes for some people it's because they had been hurt and then there's this other thing that there's stuff going on i've heard this so many times it's like i ah, preach i'd like to show, i gotta get some things right in my life first i got to get some things straightened up first i got to get cleaned up a little bit first and then get then i'll get involved but don't you see that's that that's that old way of thinking that when you show up in a church service you have to be already polished up and pretty and and look like everything is okay so there's that pressure that people feel they're reluctant to show up because what if people know that i've got some bad stuff in my life Well, here's the thing. All of us have stuff in our lives that we are dealing with. It's a lot better to be honest about it, to be real about it, because you can do a good job of hiding it for a long time, but it's still there. We desire so much to create an environment where you can be real about your struggles. I so admire Keith for standing up here and telling us his story. Man, you've touched lives, Keith. You've touched lives with that. Thank you. That's a gutsy move to be real about your struggles. That's the saying we have. You have permission to be real about your struggles, but you do not have permission to struggle alone. We want to struggle with you because we're dealing with stuff too. We want to have brothers and sisters who will walk with us as we fight our way free of things. And we can't forget that if you've, if you've done this church thing for a long time, it's, it's easy to forget how hard it is for someone to show up when it's been a long time. Maybe some of you have had those experiences before where you've been out of church for a long time and you show back up and you're like, ooh, how's this going to go? Are they, they going to be nice to me? I don't know. 
we need to remember to be a church environment where, although we won't always get it right, our aim is that no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, you are loved. Does that mean we'll be able to serve everybody and to help everybody with everything? Probably not. But it does mean we can create a place where lepers can come running to us. And it's okay. It's okay for the person with a really big problem to come running and to have help. Because we all got to come running to Jesus at some point and running to brothers and sisters in Christ who can help us along. Maybe today's the day that you give Jesus some struggles. I'm not saying you have to come up here and grab a mic and tell him. You don't have to. But just in your heart, you can give, some str- give those struggles to Jesus and say, God, I want some help with these struggles. I want some help with this leprosy problem that I have. I'm thinking of some things in my heart and life God needs to deal with. I want Him to deal with. Let's, let's give that to the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, giving you my stuff, giving you my leprosy, And I pray that for every person here that we would come clean before you and ask for the help that we need. Lord, I pray that you will turn us more and more into a family of people around whom it's it's safe to be real. It's safe to be open about the struggles. God, we give it all to you and I pray we'll minister to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of this. Lord willing, we'll start into Mark chapter 2 next week. So go ahead and read Mark chapter 2. Off the top of my head, I can't think of what happens in the beginning of Mark chapter 2. So I'm going to go read it and get excited myself. But thank you all so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Be careful out there with all the traffic. And just remember, remember as you're dealing with this traffic that uh, God is very good. And maybe that'll give you some extra time to pray. But we'll see you next time. God bless you guys.